And I welcome back Hugh Lloyd for our, it seems to be becoming traditional morning coffee. Nice to see you. <laughs> Good to see you too, Anthony. Very nice to see you. And uh, I'm slowly but surely, as you can see, I'm a bit of a slow learner, but I'm slowly but surely making my way closer to an understanding, I think, in terms of where I want to go and, and where you're intending uh, mm -hmm. someone to arrive at. But is there anything you'd like, kind of like to clarify or touch upon or revisit at all from our previous chat? Um, well, hey, good to see you, by the way, of course. <laughs> Each of our chats, um, I think we're elaborating somewhat on the prior conversations. Mm. Um, and there's only so much you can get into a conversation too. I mean, in a paper, you can condense quite a lot of information but of course the whole point of the conversation is to try to unfold and elaborate upon things so it can quite easily spend just an hour talking about one concept really um, or, or, or going over it um, I'm quite happy with what we talked about um, last time there is a clarification clarification I should make and that is that um, although we previously introduced that topic on we want to talk about the process of these uh, a formation of these epistemological forms mm. by nature of the what we're focusing on, upon which is activity the primary focus is on the formation of activity but hopefully it should be clear that there is a secondary process within that which um, concerns epistemological um, formation or, or, or improvement of understandings and um, I do actually address or, or, or show an instance of that, for example, when I was looking at experimental studies, by when I talked about the two activities that were involved in, in drawing the graphemes, mm. where there was a planning stage and a, a secondary execution stage. Mm. Well, once we get into the planning and showing the coordination between the two, that's demonstrative of the formation of these epistemological forms. So the, the degree to which the, the degree to which the planning actually happens is provided by the, the child or the agent themselves and actually agrees with what is undertaken mm. and perhaps actually is improved as a learning process for, from the first. There, by doing this, you're, you're, you're showing um, that process at play. Um, and just to just to clarify one thing on my end, when you're talking about planning, you're talking about uh, the planning that the learner is doing, not the planning that you or the teacher was doing to arrange the activity, right? Right. You want to talk about the the child's planning? I mean, some to some degree, that might be something that the child takes over from the teacher because. Mm. But even but even if they do that, that's demonstrative of some not some appreciations for for the guiding schema because if the if, if the guide guidance doesn't work at all that's indicative that it's it they, they haven't appreciated it mm -hmm. or that they or they've got some other ideas perhaps um, mm. um the last session also is quite inevitably it's quite a low level focus so i was going into timing details and operations and the and the movement between operations and actions and whether they were conscious and unconscious um that's a necessary point to focus upon because it's part of the dynamics of learning because as these conscious activities get um, 
um, become familiar through these use of signs. Mm. And as they become unconscious, that actually frees up awareness to attend to other things. So that has a bit, you know, just you might be able to reflect upon that in, in your own learning activity in senses. Once you become familiar of certain things, you've got a certain amount of resources to, 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 to available to deal with the kind of complexities that are emerging. You know, so by nature of people's, when people are uh, undertaking something unfamiliar, there's quite a bit of complexity in terms of just what to pay attention to, how to relate everything. And um, yeah. by gaining the familiarity, this process, as you gain the familiarity with it, everything, not only are the operations starting to tease apart, there's a natural process of, 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 um, mm, of structuring going on, especially in, a, in, a, in something that's manual, that's involved a lot of uh, uh, physical activity. And um, so there's, there's, there's an uptake in terms of operations and unconscious uh, activity, but also a freeing of the conscious activity to attend to other things. Mm -hmm. So just as I was used to talk about in the example of driving a car, when we're first <clears throat> learning, you know, we can barely even talk to someone else while we're, you know, while attending to what we're doing, or we find we have to stop talking in order to attend. But once we're much more fluent with all the, all the um, requirements for driving a car, we can, we can more confidently have a conversation and, you know, and, and know that we can divide our attention appropriately. So, yeah, you know, I yeah. use a, speaking of cars, I, I use like a, a gas tank metaphor in my classroom. And I wonder if you could critique this. Um, I kind of just say like the, our, our, make it simple. I say like, there's only so much gas we could fit in our gas tank, which is our, okay. our brain. And, mm -hmm. Um, the less the less gas you need to devote toward, say, like grammar okay. or monitoring your grammar, the more gas you can spend on thinking about how you're making your reader feel or how you might want to influence your audience or or uh, mm -hmm. the, this, choosing this word versus that word or monitoring the genre you're writing in. The, mm -hmm. the, the, the point is that, like, and I've noticed a lot of my students who make a lot of grammatical errors on tests more than mm -hmm. they would in, on regular assignments. My belief is that they're just, their gas tank is just pinned to the max. Like, you know, they're running out of gas and they can't okay. for that stuff yeah. because the demands of everything else are sort of right. that way. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, <laughs> so well, their attention just isn't, isn't on those particular yeah. things. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of like the crappy argument I make to them when we're doing like dry, some dry grammatical stuff or stuff mm. that isn't dry. But okay. that that you want to, where you can sort of automate certain processes to more yeah. freeze you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this 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 might be a a, a way starting point for talking about um, another aspect that I haven't talked much about. It's more high level, and it's something that you can perhaps relate to in terms of your classrooms and relate back to everything else I've talked about, but you, without needing to worry about the operational details. There's, the operational aspects are still going to be present, but you can think about in terms of planning and design. Um, and that's to think about um, the activities that you're involved in in the classroom and the 
opportunities you have in terms of designing the class structure to you can break down that activity into sub activities and um, it's quite natural in a classroom setting then you can say to distribute those activities amongst the group so for example you, if you've got a class I mean typical classroom size in in the UK is like 30 children so if you had groups of six children right so you've got five groups okay and you can set them and they can be undertaking some activity whereby now each of those members of the group can have their own specific um, tasks to be done right so one might be focused on grammar say another one might be focused upon i don't know figurative speech or aspects of it or you just or just parcel it out in certain ways and then you can sort of maybe rotate around that so it's not the same person all the time you can just rotate around now that's a very quick way and you could start thinking about about how having sub activities and through familiarity they can sort of join together that's not tapping into the davidovian stuff or the real developmental stuff but if you haven't got any time available and you haven't done the design planning it's a quick way you could just say okay i can quickly divide this up right and you can easily what with, with the kids getting familiar with that format in subsequent lessons you can then say okay i'm gonna put be a bit more thoughtful here and i want that group of children right to enter into some problem-oriented activity and to resolve solve solve things together and i would suggest that this is actually there's not logically speaking in terms of the structures that i present there's not a lot of difference between having six children with different perspectives coming together on a particular activity and just a more sophisticated single person coming to working on that activity because you're doing the same thing you're, you're, you're bringing perspectives together okay and what's going on um and so when i've been talking when i the metaphor that i used i think it was in the last talk when i was talking about um it was originally michael cole's metaphor he was talking about uh, bringing fragments of a vase together okay then you can think about perspectives as this you want to bring perspectives together on on a larger picture and the way that this can unfold within an activity setting is talking about sub activities so in the example that you've been presenting here you're saying okay they haven't got enough resources to attend to all these different aspects individually but as a group you could they could each of them could have their own particular role and work together on something you might have to you know you have to think a little bit about how that how that can pan out in a, in a harmonious fashion but by having a group attend to it and explicitly rotating the roles in that group i mean maybe you don't know maybe you know if, if one of them is deemed a bit boring or something if one's just grammar you can you know distribute it differently so someone's doing punctuation and they're doing i don't know some aspects of figurative speech at the same time and someone else is doing a different aspect of grammar and, and what have you if you're you know and you and they're working on some text or, or some 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 task um now i had ideas for you also about how to go further and take this much more into the davidovian sense and i can launch directly into that or if you've got some other examples you want to talk about first i think it would be best for you, for you.
you could continue because then that'll give us maybe a little more vocabulary that we okay. can use. Okay. All right. So, half of this chat. Yeah. okay. So, when um, in the example I gave with, with Davidov was an, uh, a basic mathematics class, and he wanted to bring in a foundational concept, which was quantity. And when we, and he's looking at this concept, you can think about the kind of perspectives that are required in doing these kinds of um, comparisons about height and width of things. Okay, you might say, well, you need to be able to perceive a certain part of an object. You get a perspective or a view on that, and some other object, and be able to bring them together, and a comparison, and then an idea about which one's bigger or not. But now when you've got comparison of two things that you can't bring together, the idea is you want to introduce some intermediary form of comparison, mm -hmm. whatever that might be, pencil or something, some form of measurement. And you've got some perspectives on that. You've got some perspectives on what you're measuring here. And then you've got some perspectives about the relationship here and the relationship here. Okay. So you can see just in the same way, that you have, you could be talking about looking at a piece of text and looking at and taking different perspectives on that text in terms of punctuation, um, whether your verbs and nouns are in the right order, um, figure, aspects of figurative speech, all these things, you can have different people assuming the roles of looking at those, okay, and bringing them together. The same was required in terms, you could say, in the same regard as a group approaching a Davidovian problem, you can say, oh, well, I, I can see this part and someone else is looking at that. And I mean, it might not happen in the same formal way of sp splitting up the groups, but in terms of a group attacking the problem, you'll, you'll probably find that, that they, different children will start to see or, or think about different things and slowly they might work together in order to, to solve this issue. So Davidov was talking about this issue of quantity. Now in your classrooms, I would imagine um, that you might have certain concepts that come up. Okay, now the, the concept that I was thinking of, that I mean, you can confirm whether you have something like this, would be, for example, the concept of, of register. Okay, so the degree of formality mm -hmm. in, in text that is written. Okay, now in the same way that David always saying, you want to go back in terms of the his, history and look at what was the historical problem that brought about quantity or what kind of situation would bring that about in the same way you can look at the, like for example the concept of register and say well when did register first arise within literature okay there's a little bit of confusion we need to clarify but you're going to have this for many cases you want to think about am i talking about register in literature or am i talking about register as actually used implicitly by people because, you know, a child talking to a teacher and, and they're talking to a parent or to their colleagues, they're probably implicitly using register. And I would suggest that in this, in the terms of the literature class, if you're focused on literature, you want to look at the history of the use and the con of the concept of register within literature. Okay. And the little bit of searching around that I did as a prelude to this preparation, I was quite surprised because uh, apparently that I mean I didn't do much searching but it seemed to me that formally this concept was was recognized as something like 1950 mm -hmm. whereas I'd have thought formally it would have been recognized you know 
along with all a lot of all the classics in literature that go back a couple of centuries right yeah. but nevertheless even if you could stake that as a starting point so well, what was the problem that was that was trying to be addressed when con when this concept was first formulated or, or formalized okay and can i set up a situation and if my if my class is not yet familiar with this so if it's the beginning of the year class isn't really used to this and they're writing that the writing maybe is in a sense that they use the same register right the way through and a character in their story doesn't actually change tone depending on who they're talking to and you'll say so what kind of interesting situation can you set up for those children so they can discover register for themselves in writing okay and i think you can do that and by doing that you would really help you you're not only are they are children getting understanding of register assuming you'd use that in your classes but they're starting to put out feelers for themselves in terms of their appreciation for, for literature and language if they could they get the sense of they've invented this for themselves to a certain degree that it's a it's a personal invention not a historical invention but if they've basically helped to invent then they get real confidence they can start to read literature in a different way yeah yeah and you yeah. Could, as opposed to just giving somebody a top like a top-down definition right have, yeah you have the, have oh, the experience yeah. of, of messing around with the idea and then maybe slapping a label on it later absolutely like, yeah. like I've, I've seen a, and i've done this myself um maybe you have a short a short exchange between two speakers and then write the same message the same content but keep changing the speakers so rotate the speakers mm -hmm. changing the same mm -hmm. content and you'll notice how they adjust their speech not only yeah. for their own personality but also for their audience and it's fun it's fun it's yeah, goofy it's fun you know, and interesting i mean i was even even the little thinking that i put into this i was sort of becoming aware of saying well yes if we look at the history of letter writing for example mm -hmm. letter writing would have been very very formal you know even even between even you know if someone's sending someone a love letter it's mostly probably going to be very formal if you're going back a couple of centuries and the kind of writing involved and you can compare that with the content that people have in emails for example now mm -hmm. where you can have different registers at play you know some you can have very chatty emails if it's some if yeah. it's between people that have a degree of understanding but nevertheless even in emails i would suggest it's more formal than face-to-face -face conversations because there's still the there's the, the hazard of miscommunication and yeah. you know people can take things the wrong way and things you know, so um so yeah, and, and incidentally one interesting like modern development is uh like if you're do if you're teaching a live class or having a live chat like now mm -hmm. um and you use the chat you use the chat box um mm -hmm. you're going to be more likely to speak informally and quickly because time okay. is of the essence sorry i have this little hat or something um <laughs> and uh and i've noticed that that's spilling over into email communication from my oh. students and sometimes even from me to them it's because it's just our natural way of type type talking yeah, in yeah, class yeah. is just informal chat yeah. so it's just it, it's just a little uh observation yeah. that's kind of new yeah. so that's emerging so, i think right now the 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 well, there's a different formality of emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've just, hopefully, I've made the point. I'll just go over it again in terms of 
when I'm talking about development, it's the epistemological development, this is the crux, but it's also the bringing together of certain perspectives. Okay, and I go into this a great deal in the, particularly in the theoretical part of the paper. But now, hopefully, now we can change of emphasis. If we, I think the idea was that you were going to talk more about your classroom settings, and we can perhaps look at how these ideas can, mm. can, can. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think, and this is going to be very interesting for me because I, I uh, well, a couple things. Um, yeah. So what I what I did was I, I I didn't want to take any like major highlights because I'm hoping that talking with you about some of my stuff can improve my stuff, and or or at least you can offer me a perspective that is not obvious or in the front of my mind because I'm caught up in my own shots sure. and my own timelines and whatnot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we can apply some of uh, some of your expertise to to either critique some of the ideas or maybe give me give me a, maybe an inside look at possibly what a student might be thinking or experiencing while interacting with this stuff but uh so what i did is i just took stuff that's recent from my class so mm -hmm. i didn't want to i didn't want to i didn't wanna skew it and like, put my best stuff out there um this is a this is kind of a sequence that moves from the beginning to the end of one unit of study and so there's something that I use called a, a digital notebook. And basically this is, a, this is rooted in my understanding of this, the concept that word meaning develops. And so basically every marking period, there's one concept that's the focus of our attention. I'm gonna kind of talk over this, so don't worry about reading it. Um, Okay. But basically, over the course of one unit, students should try to develop their understanding of one concept as richly as they can, with my help and also independently. So mm -hmm. this, this comes from a, there's like a lesson that introduces this, and I'll try to, I'll try to summarize it with one graphic. Okay, so um, I, I put the word I put the word chair on the board, C-H-A-I-R, and mm -hmm. we talk about to the, to what extent do we know that word, and everybody's like, you know, it's the thing you could sit on, and then I'll, I'll invite them to go sit on it, and they're like, I can't sit on it, it's just a word, and then we're like, okay, well, what's going on here? Is this, okay. a, is this actually a chair, or is this like a, a sign mm -hmm. of some sort, um, or is it just an indicator? of whatever mm -hmm. chair is. And then through a series of questions and answers, um, most people go from feeling like they have a 100% understanding of the word to like somewhere like a 15% understanding of the word. Oh, okay. Because I'll ask them what they know about the history of chairs or like 16th century Italian chair culture or how they're mm -hmm. built or how they're taken apart. Um, has anybody designed a chair or shopped for chairs or been a chair, like say of like a math department or mm -hmm. et cetera. So we play around with the word and try to recognize that it has a lot of flavor. And if somebody were to understand everything represented by um, that word, they'd have like a very rich understanding. 
So this visual on the screen is um, it's just like a result of that lesson. Like there are all sorts of ways that we can build up our understanding of the word mm -hmm. chair or maybe a more important word like, like love or analysis or persuasion or whatever, whatever it might mm -hmm. be. Okay, so I feel like I'm talking a lot. Uh, do you want to ask or suggest anything? Feel free. Well, Otherwise, so, so it seems to me that your focus on word meaning and the history is, yeah, it's an interesting one to take. It seems you, you're sort of touching on philosophy or the philosophical aspects of, uh, of, of word meanings too. Um, um, whether you could structure that in such a way so that the children are the active participants mm -hmm. would be interesting. Um, the challenge is is to is is just is to design something that so that it it becomes a focal point rather than diffuse. Mm -hmm. So as you're you're achieving that presently by or currently you're achieving that by controlling things and saying that we're focused on these different different aspects. But it's whether you can think up an activity in which children would um, work at this activity, try to resolve things, and in the process it would become apparent to them that there are these different flavors and meanings and mm. uh, and and so whether you can particularly i would i would think that particularly if you start getting into the history of the use of chair then many of these connotations will become manifest in that process mm. and of course that's where the richness is rather than although you're talking about them <laughs> it's sufficient for them is mm -hmm. it's sufficient for them to to acknowledge that actually there are things about about this 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 meaning of the chair that that um they don't know and so that their their confidence or not necessarily confidence but their their appreciation of how much they know is actually changed through this process so so it's you're you're being effective in that in that regard but I, I would suggest that they're they're not really working so much upon their their, their their nuances of appreciation, which they would get if they were directly involved in this problem in in, in a Davidovian sense. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, um, I imagine that once you if you if you can crack a good design for coming up, but just particular word meanings, then. Um, mm you you would you would succeed you'd 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 you might be able to get up with quite a framework with which you could introduce many so whether you can actually start to go back to when was chair first used in literature for example in this sense you might be getting into the etymology of chair okay so you you're basically you could say okay okay kids uh you know we're gonna we're gonna we're all gonna be um etymologists for the day or for for this lesson, mm -hmm. right? And we're going to put on our etymology hats and dig into the the history of of words where, where they come from. Mm. 
and maybe that would rather than just involve you know getting a big etymology tome or whatever or using the mm. computer using the online to just look up the meanings maybe you could um you know have conversations within the class itself about where what's the what's the um arguing for the case for particular things because there's ambiguity there and you can just even having a a, a, a a discussion in the classroom about the origins and potential meanings of words mm -hmm. you, know, you know like at whatever level of sophistication you think is a appropriate you know you start off you know why, why is you know why is rabbit spelt with two b's and mm -hmm. habit habit spelt with one but have the same meaning these sorts of things from from the empirical way of looking at things these are enigmas they're just saying oh that, that's just the way it is but when you start looking at all the idiosyncrasies of language although especially in english where it's like you know there's so many of them because they've inherited from so many different languages and that the idiosyncrasies actually point towards a very complex interconnected past mm. and but you especially i mean if you're looking at you know this it doesn't have to be a dry exercise because you can look in for, into for example the um take poetry for example and the dis differences that or even just um literature the differences that for example using similar word meanings or similar words with similar apparent apparently similar meanings but from different um different roots so you could use like the difference between using for example saxon words Mm. versus french and other and other other different words where the saxon words might be quite short and um quite lots of consonants in them quite you know and, and quite um gruff mm. and the the french introduce, introduction may be more sophisticated and you know uh, so um you could have lots of conversations about that and it just it sort of so to take on say you know it's like to try and do it make it as real as you can mm. it's not like saying okay you know like i see some reports about you know people are saying okay we want the kids to sort of be working it on science and things like that so they have to put on their white science lab coats and mm -hmm. you know and play around with test tubes and they haven't really put much thought into the actual content necessarily it's more like a it's more like we're going to have a drama class rather than actually do real science. Right. The same way with you, with the, uh, if you're going to say, right, we're going to be etymologists for the next hour or so, then actually do it. Yeah. You know, don't pretend to do it, do it. And, and just pose the questions and give the guidance where required, but get the, get the kids really into it because, you know, to start with, it might even not even be, might not even know that there is such a thing called etymology right mm -hmm. so yeah yeah that's that's helpful feedback um one of the things with this like this chair lesson is students who who seem to kind of get it and rock it and take mm. to it right away mm. are off and running almost for the yeah. rest of the year yeah and and they're um they're called digital notebooks where it's basically like I call it like here's your playground to, to mm -hmm. develop your understanding of this word. Currently, yeah. the word is analysis, and and they are uh, eager often, 
although it's work and, and quite capable of really taking it on uh, independently and doing things that are surprising to me, mm -hmm. surprising to themselves, like really interesting, fun to read. Yeah. And then there are students who right from the start, they don't, they don't get the first lesson and, mm -hmm. and then their notebooks are pretty much, they, they stay kind of empty except for like they're allowed to copy and paste activities mm -hmm. from the unit that I introduced. Mm -hmm. I want them to like, you know, I want their notebooks to be roughly half of my stuff and then half of their own okay. investigation. And yeah. that, that other half often doesn't happen. And mm -hmm. so I, it's really hard for me to, yeah. So maybe you still, need to... it's, hard, it's hard for me to reach them and connect this to them and offer them like the scaffolding or, or whatever that they might need. So what, what, what the impression I would have from what you said is that you perhaps if you spent more time at the beginning stage mm -hmm. in terms of just this, because some kids are just going to be quite intuitive and they're kind of philosophical, philosophically minded mm -hmm. and are going to be able to relate. So they, they might not even know what philosophy means, right? And so we'll be able to explain it or give a definition, mm -hmm. but they can just, they have this kind of, way of thinking about things right and they can relate the philosophy to the, the use of the language and other other kids will be just looking at it in terms of saying well this is this is where i'm supposed to do english or language and i do languagey things and mm -hmm. in a different class i do maths or mathsy things and science things mm -hmm. and what's going on here okay so but by if you if you spent time getting the kids involved in actually trying to work out for themselves what this is, what word meaning is, right? Yeah. Philosophy. You might feel for you that saying, oh, we haven't got, we, we haven't got much to show for this yet because all we spent doing is, is all this conversation at the beginning or this, or this trying, to, trying to grapple with this problem. And some of the kids have just got it straight away and other kids aren't, you know, haven't really, haven't really touched it fully yet but given the opportunity for them to to do so but you also can use the you can use especially if you're doing things in groups right you can make use of the the, the pupils that seem to have got this quickly mm -hmm. can take on certain leading roles within the groups and help in certain ways all right you want to think of like the group itself as an in is an individual to a certain degree and just see mm -hmm. if the group gets it Right. And then you just got to make sure you got to worry about that. It's not just one person or two people doing all the work, but that, you know, you, mm -hmm. I mean, part of this also is just the emphasis on this is why I was saying in a developmental environment, a developmental schooling environment, you want the kids on board too, because you can't just be, um, you know, uh, um, just a passenger, you know, and you, all you have to do is just sit through the exercise. You want the positive engagement with it. But I would, I would suggest, I mean, something particularly language use, you know, mm. you, you should get this. The other thing, of course, is that you don't, if you have, for example, pe children from different ethnicities, then you have a huge uh, um, available resource to you in terms of looking at the kinds of uh, informal languages, all right, or ways of speaking, mm -hmm. yeah? in terms of you know whether it's um uh african influence or latin influence or all, all sorts of different different ways of speaking or, or depending so 
it's just tapping into the 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 richness that is available to to all the children in terms of you know their backgrounds mm. that you can yeah, you should be you could can 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 help them re, them relate to what they're to what they're doing and then hopefully you get more light bulbs flashing and, and you get mm -hmm. more excitement and once you've got some excitement going you know you should be off and then you, it's just a matter of keeping up with them at that point right. giving yeah. keeping them sufficiently disciplined and say okay you know next stages yeah no that's that, that's great and helpful. some of these things yeah some of these things it's just like turning things inside out to a certain degree the natural mm -hmm. the easy way is to talk about like your schema you had and say this is how i'm doing it Mm -hmm. which is you know some classes you're gonna that, that's just that's just the way you're going to end up with things because you've got this might have, if you've got discipline issues then you might have to do things that way but yes. if you can turn the whole thing inside out so that it's the structure of the activity itself that is providing all the signposts about you know what to be what needs to be done then um then good things can come from that as well yeah i i'm going to show you another thing that i think uh i don't know maybe it's a bit too teacher centric um but so we my students have a, a test coming up it's it's kind of so this is like a mini two-day unit within a bigger unit and mm -hmm. um designed to help them do well on the test so i asked i asked them to attend to certain literary concepts and looking at all of these things at once can be a bit overwhelming. Mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to show them that they can do it. And also that this is the type of thinking that will pay off on their test. So instead of giving them like easy poems that are meant for middle school, I start with like a challenging text, a couple challenging texts. Mm -hmm. And I'm just gonna put one up real quick. And uh, so, so this is a poem it's a song actually, but I think it's really quite beautiful and uh, very impressionistic and leaves a lot of room for interpretation. Mm -hmm. So I asked them to read it a couple times, specifically just looking at one or two things at a time, like imagery or um, I give them a tool to analyze character and I give them a tool to analyze setting. So I'll ask them to just focus on one of those three things imagery okay. character or setting right to slowly start developing an understanding um then i'll ask them to do just a bit of writing in our chat which is everything's done online right now mm -hmm. just just sort of just recording what they've noticed and then um, i'll put them into small groups to discuss and start building some interpretations mm -hmm. of one one question so they'll pick one of these three questions. Oops. They'll pick one of these three questions for chat, just verbal discussion. Um, and then uh, when I call them back, I sorry for bearing with me. I I transcribed all the all the lyrics onto the video. The video is really cool too. A slipper by the fireplace, a yellow light in its case. Okay, so so mm. that so that gives a nice 
Yeah, that gives like a nice layer to it. And at that point, they're a little more invested maybe in, in the poem on an emotional level too. And it gives them, a, I guess, maybe some clues or cues how they might interpret it. Uh, I'm almost done. And then, and then the, I'll ask them to write long, like to write, try to write like 100 to 200 words on one of these questions. And, and then we'll go through a series of other poems and or like short videos. Like this one is a, uh, this one's an animated short. And kind of just repeating the same stuff over and over again, but adding in different layers each time so that they could maybe see many things at once and formulate a more of a coherent interpretation of the poetry. Yep. That, that at yep. first was a little bit difficult for them. Um, and then before leaving, they have to write, they have to write like publicly, like a response to one of the questions. And most of them, surprisingly, most of them, maybe not surprisingly, most of them picked the poem that I just showed you, which mm -hmm. might've been one of the more difficult ones, but I'm not exactly sure why. And, uh, I don't know, so that's it. So that's just like one little sequence designed to prepare them for a test. So I don't know, what do you think of that? Well, it sounds like a lovely exercise to do. Again, the, the, the kind of input I would have here is about your structuring of that. So you've got a, a wealth of good mm -hmm. material here. It's about how, what could you do to enable the kids to do this for themselves mm -hmm. right how could so you it's like saying what kind of task do i need to set that's just going to draw them in all right and also um this, this fits in almost perfectly with what i was saying before about having groups because i think you had about six or seven skills listed mm -hmm you know, one of which was characterization and setting, another setting, another imagery, and you had some others. And um, you, with some upfront work about what is required for each, each of these individual things, you could, you know, you could have your group of six right from the start, okay? And if you knew what the, if you were gonna do something like a problem situation, right? Or, you know, task situation, it's gonna draw, draw them in. So they have their separate roles to do, okay, in terms of identifying these things. But also, I would suggest you then got a very interesting activity. If once you've got your six or so people, I've only got five here, but never mind. Once mm -hmm. they've, they're doing their own activity, they're at their own skill bit, but then you want to start to look at the interaction between these because they're not separate aspects, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How does imagery affect characterization and how does the setting influence it? So you're going to have something like, maybe something like register, but not register, but something like register as your point of interaction between character and, and, and setting, because your character could be different depending upon the setting that they're in. You know, if they're, they're attending a job interview, it's more formal. And if they're, you know, mm -hmm. All these these things but so and then to get involved so again if you can get the act the activity itself 
entailing these individual efforts, but also entailing the, the interaction, the communication between them, each other, and then rotating mm -hmm. who does what at different times and getting them involved in this. I mean, maybe I don't know, getting, getting towards the end of term and sometimes, I don't know if it's the case in your school, but sometimes the last few days of school, it's sort of almost, you know, you've got some free time available and you can mm -hmm. do something more experimental and you might have time just to launch into something like this, just to, to see how it goes. But some, I say preparation is required in terms of getting the activity structure lined up. So you could just say, what is this poem all about? And look at this poem. Mm -hmm. but that would take them so far, but you might be able to get, get beyond that or think about, what's that? So, ways of ways of framing it what what is poetry all about mm. in the first place and you know why we the more you get into that sort of philosophical part of what what we're trying to do with with poetry and again depending on your ethnicity and interest of your kids it might be more I don't know, it could be rap or something that you're rather than a song that you're drawing upon or, or, or things. But um, so what, what, what are you trying to bring, bring out? What are the, like the different layers and contributions towards it? So there's, there's, you could say that maybe you're trying to get, this whole thing is trying to give a certain impression. You see, using all these different techniques to, 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 to generate an impression and you know, a lot of kids are, they're, you know, they're very interested in giving impressions and making mm. the right impression, right? So if you, you can frame it that way as saying, first of all, you could say mm. in their own activity, look at something saying, how do you write to something to give a certain impression? And then look at something like this poem that you're looking, or the song that you're looking at saying, what impression does it give you? And now, why does it give you that impression? what's going on how does it, mm. how do they achieve that and if people maybe if you you know if you've got a group of 30 kids and you're going to get some agreement perhaps about what kind of impression you get from it and they say and there might be divergence but you've you've immediately you've got the starting point saying so how did that how did that arise what did their children pick up on yeah and then you can start to look at saying well you know if there's alliteration for example or you know various as i was talking about before figurative speech in various different ways mm -hmm. you know um some things can be very powerful you know like oh i think of things like the um ancient mariner and things like that you know mm -hmm. the kind of language that can go into that and if, if you have phrases like you know all hands on deck you know and you think about once you look in the language say, Mm. why are they saying a hand why have all hands on deck mm -hmm. you know, does that have some is that is that more emotive than just saying everybody up on deck why all hands on what, what why why is it something like you know the hands are really required is it just you know all mm -hmm. the hands of the crew that are required and uh, these sorts of things if you you, you can start to cr question everything yeah that's, the, that's... the questioning the, the the questioning of the kids themselves rather than yourself you could sort of maybe set things up but if the more the kids are sort of asking well why what, what what's 
what how did how is this effect achieved yeah and yeah, taking totally. taking on taking on the use of language for themselves and saying oh okay i i'm a you know i'm a user of this language i i'm i mm. I, I can i can do things with it yeah setting up and one of the themes that i'm picking up is uh just setting up inquiries whenever you can yep um, I just wanted to show you very briefly that the, so this is the actual test that that follows up some of those practice exercises I was showing you where students will have a, a choice of five texts to mm -hmm. to write about analytically but in a fun way so where they basically have to go enroll and become a character from the text okay. and, and write out an application either a job or for like a private school. This, those are like relevant tasks to the students in my school. Those mm -hmm. are things they might be doing. And okay. um, so this is, the, this is a thing called enroll writing where you basically become, uh, you adopt a persona, either like a character or like an author mm -hmm. or even maybe a concept or item from a text and mm -hmm. write from its perspective. Great. Yeah. So, and that's 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 been like a really nice bridge to analytical thinking. That's mm -hmm. very accessible to most people, mm. and and also kind of fun. Mm. So the the end of the unit is um, end of the unit is a straight like literary analysis essay, that, like with a more formal register and and uh, mm -hmm. everything that goes with that. So that it's cognitively pretty demanding. Um, but this is sort of like a, a midpoint test that's still building a lot of the skills that are going to be necessary to have internalized mostly so that you can actually write the essay at the end. Mm -hmm. um, and this is just one other thing I wanted to show you. Like we're working with uh, a novel called The Pearl by John Steinbeck. And this activity is an extension of the enroll writing concepts. And so I know there's a lot of text, but you don't have to read it. Mm -hmm. um, and what, what you have to do here is create sort of like a mentor figure, create, create maybe sort of like a spiritual guide of some sort okay. for the main character or, okay. for the other, or for the other main character, which is Eno's wife. And basically insert like, Maybe you call them ghost chapters, like insert a additional scene into each chapter, mm -hmm. which is a conversation, okay. which is a conversation between the protagonist and his, his or her guy, like guide who we call mm. the visitor. And uh, so these are things that might take place in the character's dreams or maybe in like some space between dream and reality, maybe just in like a waking daydream. And essentially the, the visitor has to be very wise, <laughs> has, to, has to be like uh, very knowledgeable and mm -hmm. more, than, more than I am and more than the student is and more than the character is. So you have to sort of role play as, okay. somebody, who's, as somebody who's capable of giving this worldly counsel. Mm. Um, okay, so, and then there's a couple other things I want to just say quickly. 
we lost from our from our curriculum we lost some narrative writing and i was a little bit disappointed with that so this was a way to bring narrative writing and creative writing back into the curriculum because mm. you know students have to write and punctuate their dialogue and, and you know and, and use imagery and use all sorts of narrative skills mm -hmm. and also um this is a way to reinforce a concept that you and I talked about last time, and uh, I'm just going to show you real quick. Thanks for your patience. It's fine. And so he, here's a concept from the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People and Highly Effective Teens book. Mm -hmm. And this, we were talking about emotions last time, and this is the idea that no matter what happens, if you can create a little space before you respond, that gives uh -huh. us room. That gives us room for uh, choosing. Like maybe gives us the freedom to respond in a way mm. that's maybe advantageous. Mm. So, uh, one year my students were reading that for their summer reading book, and that they read the Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens. And that school year, maybe I'm biased. That school year went like extremely well, and I thought the book had a really powerful right. impact for them. Right. And then that book disappeared. Um, so, but I try to keep some of the concepts alive. And, and this is one of them, this idea of reflecting and trying to choose your response whenever possible. So mm -hmm. this, this visitor assignment is a very long and it's somewhat arduous, like extension of that idea mm -hmm. combined with the, the literature that we were already reading. And, uh, and then also using like the in-roll writing technique that students like. Okay, so I talked for a while there. Do you have any thoughts mm. on going through your head in response? Oh, well, um, yeah, I'd agree with you. That's, um, I mean, I think that exercise is, you're tapping into to, um, a lot of dimensions. Not, you know, particularly imagination. Um, I like the way you're relating that. COVID material to aspects of wisdom mm. and you know you're inviting the child to think about you know their own themselves and their own activity to a certain degree in taking on this this task of interjecting this wise character into a into a into a story you're thinking about forms of guidance um so yeah, great exercise. Good, good, uh, good material for, for children to be working with. Mm. It's a, uh, gonna say, yeah, it's something that they have often have fun with. Um, mm -hmm. Half the battle is creating the, creating the entity. That's going okay. to be the guide. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And also, this is a book where uh, I think tr traditional readings of this book focus on uh, the fact that the protagonist is considered too greedy, and his greed foils oh, okay. in the end. And all right, yeah. And I think that's maybe that's okay, but there's a lot more going on. And uh, all right, and so that also some... the protagonist is part of a victim class that. 
he's part of an oppressed people. Okay. All right. And okay. which is, which is true in many respects, but I don't, I don't see how that's empowering to read the book through that lens as mm. opposed to reading the book through okay Kino the main character has a series of decisions and micro decisions to make like in every single scene mm-hmm. and had he had he played his cards slightly differently um, maybe things could have worked out differently in spite of his like oppressed class and in spite of his you know in spite of all these like uh uh troubles that are sort of baked in societally mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and uh so that's all true and that's part of our reading but i like to offer the the alter the complementary lens that every individual still has this opportunity endlessly to to try to make decisions as best he or she can and with constant reflection and emphasis on maybe creating a little bit of space before responding. Um, Even even the very disadvantage and and everybody, every human is disadvantaged in one way or another can, can, can increase his or her odds, I guess, of (laughs) ending up where they want to go. So my, and and then the the other last thing is that I tell them like kind of half jokingly, but, somewhat seriously i'm like mm. when you finish the book like you're going to put the book down but the visitor is going to stay with you <laughs> <laughs> because the visitor is you and you know something yeah. to do like that yeah yeah um yeah well wonderful exercise that 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 you can the kids can enjoy doing um I think it's one of these exercises where it seems to be it's you know the emphasis is more upon life and the role of you know literature and all their language skills which ostensibly is what they should be practicing are, are sort of withdrawing into the background to a certain degree you know you want to mm. say but, and uh, you know I think this is natural you whenever you know if 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 you want to write if you want, you know, in order to write well on something, you need more than just the desire to write. It's you. It's something. Something needs to be communicated, and if you don't have that thing that you want to communicate, then the the writing is just going to be more superfluous. It's not, you know, it's not achieving what the aim. And mm. um, so I think it's, you know, the, this is why in literature and and you know language you need these big ideas because you know these are you know well first of all you've got it's nice to be able to introduce them into school in in some form or other and mm. if not in if not in literature and language then then what but also um it's it's a natural part of our language to 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 go into these other areas you know including myth and wisdom mm-hmm. and uh, and these various various dimensions of of of, of our life um, whether as you were saying you're saying you know that that perhaps some children will get more out of the context than others you know whether some people would identify with 
a sort of a um, uh, and a slightly oppressive circumstances that are challenging and others would maybe look at it and think oh well you know I don't quite like that or I don't I know so whether you could arrange things so that the, the children can have more control over that perhaps and say this is this is the way the story is going mm. without without you know just loading them with um so much more work to do if they've got to you know rewrite their own novel effectively or something <laughs> or, or you know yeah. then um also i suppose the things you could look at i mean if 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 they are basically slotting in sections then it's hard to see if, if this wisdom is so important and influential right then why isn't it having a consequence further down the line do you see why why or is it just being ignored you know so you've got this wise person coming in but yeah it's usually if, being ignored <laughs> <laughs> okay but you see if, if it's going to have impact or so that's another uh, to bring even i would suggest that even in even in um fairy tales and 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 myth and other forms uh, which you know you could say is make-believe um when you have these influences like of, of degrees of, of wisdom and or some some moral coming in to play that's to some extent you might say that's where there's a a, a connection with reality in in terms of the you know the moral of the story or things to be careful of and um it might be nice to see especially from the, ch the children's perspective if they're right if that if this wisdom actually has a bearing then you want to say oh well things might happen as a consequence mm -hmm. now let's say for example supposing i uh, do, do you teach i mean if you for example taught across two classes for example you taught a higher age group and a younger age i don't know if you do that sort of thing but you know i just I just just throwing some ideas at out for example you could have a story that unfolds you know the children are writing one they write this is the wisdom that's a given and something you know what happens as a consequence is dependent upon that mm. do you see what i mean so rather mm. than just have this boilerplate this template of this is this is exactly what happens and you you are providing this wisdom which doesn't actually influence the story necessarily mm -hmm. yeah by um, weaving that in, then um, you know there might be—I don't know whether there might so, especially if it's—I don't know how long the project is. But if you had something going on over time, you might think, you know, they're starting to see the consequences of that. Like, for example, does this wise person just lay it all on the table and say, "This is what it's all about," mm. or have they got to be more cautious and say? You know deal with you know they've got this 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 terror way who, who who doesn't even hardly wants to pay any attention and they just say well mm -hmm. i'll just give you a, a few little things that you might pay attention to and maybe mm. you know so but yeah there could be i mean for example you could have you know if you had if you had different age children then you could have your your senior kids you know writing follow-up chapters or something and 
I don't, you know, I don't know. It's just an idea. I just yeah, think it's just sort of uh, how how to how to how to get into that. I mean, you know, it's it's nice what you have, but you just think when, when you're presenting it and you want to give some you know ideas back, it's like, well, how how can we uh, how can we improve that? Right. So. Hmm. Uh, yeah, and that's then, that's... You, then you've got the whole activity side to it as well in terms of again you know i mean to, this is what the children expect of you anyway in terms of you give the you give the tasks mm -hmm. you give the breakdown you say how it's going to be marked etc and then they go do it i mean mm -hmm. they're going to expect that but if you want to get into the more developmental stuff then the more you can you can allow the activity itself to express and the better and again that's part of because the reason when you when you have a like i keep focusing on these problem-oriented situations but when you have these active task activities all the artist artificiality is going to fall away because everything becomes streamlined or related to, to each other in terms of how things fit together we give a metaphor of saying some for example how an airplane is built all right if you had different people building different parts of the airplane or you just said okay i need wings and you have to do something vaguely wing-like mm. you just have this big rectangle thing thin rectangle sticking out the thing wouldn't fly or it would fly very awkwardly coherence. You, ha you, ha you have yeah you so you want there's an interaction between all the parts okay but you only get the nuances of this interaction by being involved in the activity and being responsible that you can so you you're, you're you're interested in everything about the activity and how it fits together and whether you get good results or not gives you feedback about whether that thing holds together but if someone is coming if someone basically is analyzed this sort of situation and said okay i want to present this in a simplified manner and i'm going to say we have all these different aspects you need to pay attention to and i'm going to make this task and someone has to do it then you you don't have the opportunity mm -hmm to explore the interaction and the nuances to see how it all holds together. Mm. Whereas if you, if you take this seriously and say, actually what I have here, a, 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 a budding linguists or budding literature enthusiasts or poets and what have you, then you want them to be doing poetry and really mm -hmm. explore these things and get into and explore that, that part. So the more you can, the more you can foreground that and still achieve it within the schooling environment, then, the more the more that you're going to um the, the kids are going to get out of it and you know as a teacher i think get out of it too but you know what you've got there is 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 a nice it's a nice thing to be to to be doing so you know i don't want to detract from what you've already got it's just you know if you're asking for inputs then yeah yeah of course i'm always I, looking I to i'm always looking to uh to, to re figure out ways to reframe something or to maybe turn it more to add a little more inquiry into it or to yeah, yeah, yeah. or to strip artificiality away when possible and right. and also and also because this is not a strength of mine to get inside the heads of the learner um i mean i have them constantly writing about their own experiences they do a lot of reflection and whatnot which okay. helps them and me but but still just yeah. to try to see things through eyes other than my own and my own intention yeah. so everything you're saying today is very helpful 
and uh, yeah, 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 yeah. and much appreciated. Well, could, and, could... and and I have about probably five minutes at the most. Sorry. Okay. I just had one thought on that. I mean, you could turn that kind of exercise on its head a little bit and say, well, you take a known story and you pull out and look at the what some wise character, all right? And you could look yeah. at that from different angles. So even if it was something like, I don't know, I don't know if a Star Wars was ever actually written about, was there, there was a books before the, the film, but, you know, someone like Yoda, you know, mm -hmm. all this is a different kind of narrative and whether he would actually have an influence and things like that on the, I mean, I'm sure there's many more, there's lots more contemporary, contemporary uh, uh, um, forms than going back, what, 20 years or whatever it was for, for Star Wars. So, mm. but, sorry, so five minutes, use it wisely. <laughs> yeah, I would like to open things up to you. Um, so you started today with some clarifications and some, uh, uh, not revisions, but just clarifying some things from the last conversation. And then after that, I pretty much, I just shared a couple of things that we're doing in my classroom currently. And I guess just having talked about some of this material and then thinking back to our previous chats, mm -hmm. is there anything you'd like to say? Sorry, that's not a good question, but. Well, I think we've already, so we've got some potential dovetailing going on when we're talking when i just gave the example about use of register mm -hmm. and working with groups and trying to design something to say okay how, how can the kids discover this for themselves now i think without too mm -hmm. much work you could you could come up with you know an exploration that the kids are doing in order to discover what register is all about or the concept of register and go mm -hmm. into that you can go into looking at taking on roles so you have your etymology class for example mm -hmm. i mean maybe there's more to the word meaning that you were looking into than just etymology but that's one facet of it mm -hmm. maybe you're going to have other other parts yeah um ooh. You've got lots of good reflection work going on. So, so that's great. Mm. I'm wondering whether, see, if you could set something up saying, well, effectively you, you could sort of say, well. Just uh, one, one minute, honey. One minute, honey. You can effectively say to, I don't know, you know, whether you could do this with all kids, but in some respects, you can, I thought you can say to kids, you say, well, look, we're at school, I have to mark you on certain things, all right? And um, if, you, if you want, we can set things up so that I mark you on things that you want to do, if you, you know, some willingness to do that, and with guidance. And so all of a sudden, for, for or I can just give you what you're supposed to be doing. Now, you might argue you might be having this kind of conversation tac tacitly with some people anyway, in the sense that if you've got some kids who just want to, you know, launch into things and they come up with ideas and you say, yeah, great. Why don't you write about that or what have you? So maybe that's going on, but um, to a certain degree, if the more, the more deeper you want to get into this developmental aspect and the mm. autonomy and the, the, the self-directed aspects of the work that kids do, then the more you need to get into um, 
it's personal responsibility aspect mm. so um but that's a good thing in a sense that you know especially you know the the, the you know whatever your take on this is whether you want kids to be you know come away more reflective or better appreciation for literature or you know even a love for literature coming mm. out of it there's so many you know think takeaway things that you can place emphasis upon um that fit you in terms of what you're about as a teacher and how you want to to contribute and what you want the kids to to come away with at the end of the yeah. day so you know uh, you could argue that that my emphasis on all this problem oriented stuff is just it's you know my it's about you it's more some, about me some, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's good degree. stuff it's good stuff and i know that for a fact it's okay. very good stuff mm -hmm. um and it's influencing me also and uh i'm getting yelled at by my kids right now sure as you could sure. probably hear but the exercise uh, but, for you is like to say, how sorry, to turn the exercise for you is that get, if you if you're interested in doing things this way you need the skill being able to how to turn things inside out from your mm. generic lesson to a problem oriented lesson mm. or a, you know a a a question oriented lesson i yes. don't mean problem in the sense that it's something is 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 a problem at hand or oh, is an absolutely. issue it just so if you get exercise and being able to turn these go from one to the other and say how do we mm. how do you, how do you how do you restructure something to achieve that and you could do that partially by if you take known examples and say okay that's what your basic template would look like as a plan mm. this is what a sort of developmental mm. approach would look like and you can see how to go between the one and the others ones already been produced and you should start to see how you can do the same thing now i suggest i've given you enough for you to be able to yeah. do this for something like register or aspects of figurative speech yeah totally but it's going to be a learning process for you as well in terms of how do you you know just getting used to it and confident with it and but you can you don't have to do it all at once yeah so, and, and yeah. when this is uh these actions require conscious attention early on in the process but eventually it becomes sort of automated yeah. where you can sort of just shift back and forth between yeah, yeah, the two yeah. i or, wanted or to just, i wanted to uh i wanted to thank you for uh, this is the first time somebody invited me to answer and <laughs> and that was a little bit weird and awkward and it, it gave me a, a great appreciation for how you and all the people i interview um how skilled you guys are at talking on the spot with with planned topics but also unanticipated questions and even today um i shared some work that was that you hadn't seen before and and your responses were extremely helpful and very coherent yeah. and useful and i really appreciate all that you're welcome you're welcome yeah yeah, yeah. i think it's just familiarity really you, you, mm. you know there's no i not putting yourself under undue pressure and you thinking yeah. you could just you know just do what's required and enjoy what you're doing yeah. totally <laughs> keep in touch yes yeah 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 okay cool yeah. all right i'll okay. contact you soon all right thanks again yeah. man you're welcome okay take care. all right then. Ciao. goodbye all right. Okay, bye-bye.